I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work at home edition. So uh, today's topic was a request for my blog. Uh, they wanted to talk about expansion symbols. So I got the expert, Daniel Holt, the guy who makes the expansion symbols. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Okay, so let's, I want to give a little bit of history before we dive into like how we make them, just so people understand the history of them. So we have to go all the way back to Arabian Nights, so the first ever expansion. So the original plan for Arabian Nights was the back was going to be different. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. There's like a purple magic back that's going to be the back. And at, at a very, very late in the process, I mean very late in the process, they thought, you know, maybe the magic back should all stay the same. And so they changed it. But then they, they raised the question of how do you know, you know, that this, this, these cards come from this set? Uh, and so they came up with the idea of an expansion symbol. So that was kind of a last-minute necessity when they decided not to change the back. Uh, and the very first expansion symbol, Raven Knights, had a scimitar. Um, as we'll talk with Daniel, the, the early symbols were very much, here's an object. Um, I, I, I know we'll talk about how uh, there's only so many objects and stuff. But uh, yeah, It's very iconic, though, that scimitar. Yeah, the very like the the uh, so uh, the very first few were the scimitar for Arabian Nights. It was an anvil for antiquities because that was about uh, artifacts. Uh, it was a Roman column for for legends. So uh, a lot of the early ones were very simple. So I guess the big question here, Daniel, is magic from the very beginning or from the first expansion decided we want to let people know where it's from, uh, and there's a lot more information on the card that maybe will help you now than there was back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. But what, I guess let's start with this question. What makes for a good expansion symbol? What what do you need to, to, to make an expansion symbol? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there a second ago. You said, like, they're simple objects, simple shapes. Those are some of my favorite uh, types of set symbols. Because um, I think the set symbol, it needs to, it's it's kind of mechanical. Like, it's it needs to say what set it's from. It needs to be distinguishable from the other sets. And to do that, it kind of plays into whatever the set is about. So simple shapes are easy to read from a distance as well. So like I mentioned, the scimitar, the anvil, you know, we can go a little newer. We can do like (laughs) the pyramid of Amonkhet, et cetera. I think those are some really nice, simple shapes that do the job well. Now, there's just so the people understand, there's a bunch of challenges. Um, An expansion symbol has to do a bunch of things. Uh, One of the things it has to do, which it did not have to do back in the days of Arabian Nights, is... We, uh, when the game first began, rarity was not something we put on the cards. You actually didn't know. Like, when Alpha came out, like, which ones are the rare cards you didn't know? Uh, I think Richard had this idea that, you know, people it would hide what's what, and Richard liked a lot of mystery in the early days. Um, but starting in Urza's Legacy, I think, um, we started doing um, the, the, the black and the silver and the gold, and, and then eventually when Mythic uh, Rare mm-hmm. became a thing the sort of orangey-red that's Mythic Rare. Um, so not not only do you have to make a symbol that's cool and it, it shows what the set is, but you also have to be able to hold some information, right? Yeah, it, it does It does contain those two purposes. You know, what set is it? What rarity is it? Uh, quote, Mythic Orange is what I call that. <laughs> okay. That Mythic Rarity trademark. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay, so when you're going to make it... So let's... We want to talk about a recent published set. How they do? Want to talk about LCI since uh, Lost at Caverns of Ixalan just came out, or it's coming out, I guess. 
Uh, or, or let's well, talk about March of the Machine. But March, yeah. okay, let's talk March of the Machine. Okay, so yeah. Okay, we're doing a giant war, and the Frexians are invading everywhere. How how do you like? How, what's your starting point? So let's, let's use March of the Machine as our example. How did you start approaching March of the Machine? So March of the Machine was a big story set, so I wanted to lean into that a lot. Um, so I, I explored things like, okay, Elish Norn's really important here. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, you know, all the all the different planes are being evaded. What can we do there? Um, and then, like, Elspeth plays a big story moment, and that's kind of where we ended up landing. So I would say the March of the Machine set symbol is a very, like, storytelling moment from world building. You know, it's the... It's her sword breaking the Phyrexian symbol. It's turned slightly, but if you turn it vertical, it does make a Phyrexian symbol that's being shattered. Uh, so I think that was a really good example of leaning into the story of it. But then when you look at the March of the Machine Commander deck, uh, that kind of leaned more on the simple shape. It's Elish Norn's um, headdress, very, very simple shape on top of a shield. Um, and so that leans back toward the more simple object, easy to read from a distance Uh yeah, the other thing you bring up that was interesting is back in the day when Arabian Nights came out, all you had to worry about is this is Arabian Nights. But now we have the main set, we have command, like, you have to not only make an expansion symbol, but make, like, riffs on the expansion symbol for different products. Right, and then there was a third symbol in March of the Machine, actually. There was uh, Aftermath. Oh, there were four symbols, actually. Uh, so <laughs> Aftermath, Aftermath was, like, this is post the story, so not much is happening here. Also, everyone's de-sparked. That's kind of, kind of the the big moment. So that's kind of where I, I went with that like ray burst uh, shape, kind of kind of generic uh, symbology there. But then yeah, we had the fourth symbol, which was the um, the different legends that showed up. So that's where we took the I took I took kind of took the legendary crown, playing a joke on it, and putting a Phyrexian symbol in the middle of it. Was the inspiration there? Yeah, it is. I find it neat of, um, there's, there's like iconography. Like, for example, um, for Frexian All Will Be One, you went with the Frexian, like the, some version yeah. of the Frexian symbol, um, which is a motif. Like, that's another interesting thing for me is that magic has its own sort of visual language, right? That there's mm -hmm. things that mean stuff. Like, how, how often do you get to play into that? Like, how often do you get to, like, use magic's own iconography, uh, it's every, every every once in a while, and I, I love when it comes up because it's just so obvious of a symbol like Phyrexia set. Let's use the Phyrexia symbol, you know, done. Um, but then you know you have to dig a little deeper on some points. Like I don't, maybe it's not so obvious that the the March of the Machine uh, legendary bonus sheet is using the legendary crown. But if you do know the legendary crown, you're like, okay, I got it. Uh, so it comes up every once in a while. So okay, so like when you're trying to come up with something. Um, mm -hmm. Where do you tend to start? Like, what, what, like, let's say you're doing a brand new set. Where, yeah. where do you tend to start? I, I have to make a brand new symbol. Um, and just so the audience is aware, I mean, not only do you have to make a symbol for this set, but like, you have to not look like a symbol for other sets. And yep. that becomes very, very hard when we make, you know, many, many sets. <laughs> right. That's part of the philosophy. It has to look different from each set to set. That's part of its purpose. Um, so when I start, uh, I'm literally working on a set symbol right now today, <laughs> right after this podcast. Um, the I start looking through the world guide. You know, the world building team puts together a guide that we send to the artist. I used to design those. That's now done by Oren on the world building team. But I just dig through that and I like, you know, I screenshot a bunch of different things that might be inspirational that help tell the story of the world, especially if it's a new world because it's new to me too. It's new to everyone. 
Um, and then I take all those ideas and I go into my document and just start sketching. I do a lot of sketches um, about trying to simplify some of the key shapes that show up in the plane. Uh, if it's uh, what's a good example of that? Like if it's a if it's a set about something uh, generally known in the world, maybe not just specifically magic. Maybe uh, Midnight Hunt was a good example. Like it's a werewolf set. This is not a specific werewolf howling at the moon, but that's what you know about werewolves. Yeah. Um, so I start drawing some of those. Maybe they're not specifically from the world guide. Um, I'll brainstorm with uh, creative some too, or ask the set lead what you know the most important parts of the set are about. But really, it's just ideation. Like I just do a ton of different sketches, um, and that could range. You know, sometimes it's like for XL will be one. Probably didn't have that many sketches. It was pretty obvious what we were going with. But then when I was super inspired by. Uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I was a little excited about that set. I think I did like 30 sketches of like, here's a bunch of different options. And yeah, so, funny story with that, but yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. no. I'm saying, oh, yeah. For those who don't know, Daniel like is a giant, giant Kamigawa fan. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, about, about that. So about the making of, yeah. uh, of uh, the uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty uh, expansion symbol. Yeah. Uh, I mean, TLDR before getting into it, the symbol I wanted did not get picked. Uh, the symbol that got picked almost didn't even make it into the consideration. Um, I had these 30 symbols and I had circled like my favorite 10 or whatever. And I was talking to world building and uh, Emily Tang, the lead of, of creative was like, I like that one. And I wasn't even including that one. And it was the the mountains with the, the sun and the pixelization. And I was like, okay, I'll include it. And then everyone loved it. And that's what eventually moved forward. So you bring up a good point, by the way, which is, while you make the symbol, you're not the final say on what the symbol is. Right. It's um, it's a lot of head stakeholders in like a bunch of different departments. So like I'll post round one, like here's sketches. Like these are literally clearly I drew them. There's a lot of imperfections, uh, clearly not vector yet. Um, and then, you know, we got Aaron Forsyth, uh, the head of creative over here, improving the creative lead, the set design lead, the product architect, basically the representative of every department looks at these and is like, Hey, this is what really symbolizes the set. Let's move forward with that one. And they don't always agree with each other. That's kind of fun too. <laughs> we can only have one set symbol, but people like three different ones. So what, if we, if you could have done the Kamigawa symbol you wanted, what would it have been? What was your favorite? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I can talk a little bit about an unused design. So if you see it later, you're like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, hey, uh, I, I had these. <laughs> I talk about unused designs all the time. <laughs> um, I had these two uh, two koi fish kind of going in a in a circle around each other, mimicking each other. But one was more uh, of a traditional koi fish, like this is clearly a living creature. The other was more artificial. I was really leaning into the like modernity and uh, tradition of the the war the quote war between yeah. kamigawa that was happening at the time of the conflict engine did um have, did there were some other a, ones of in a there, but, yeah. look to it i mean that, that yeah 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 kind of that it was making a really i just i really like the way the two interacted with each other and i like the parallels um i also explored like the open fan uh trying to be like a simple shape like the other three kamigawa symbols are like a lantern a a throwing star and the arch, like very simple shapes. It's like, okay, let's do it like a fan to represent the historians. That fan actually went on to be the uh, transforming double face symbol mm. on the sagas, closed fan and open fan. Yeah, so just so that people are aware, not only do you do the expansion symbols, but you do all the iconography and, you know, the, all the yeah. different all the different symbols and things, <laughs> not just the expansion symbol, but all the symbols 
Yeah, um, mechanical frames in general. So that's icons, watermarks, and then any kind of new frame that ne- that needs that a new mechanic needs to support it. So how often do, is it possible that some of the other iconography from that set influences or is is influenced by the expansion symbol? Oh, absolutely. Every time, almost. Um, anytime a new symbol is needed, because symbols and watermark like watermarks are flavorful to the set, they kind of overlap set symbols. Uh, so upcoming, have we announced RXX's name? <laughs> uh, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's uh, Bloomborough. We have announced Bloomborough, yeah. Yeah. All right, so in Bloomborough, there will be a symbol, uh, and it was conflicting with the set symbol. So, you know, I had to get all these approved at the same time. So I'm like, here's set symbols. Here's this other symbol. Where where do we want to put each? And that, that comes up a lot. Yeah, one of the things that to me – so a couple questions. First question is, do you feel any obligation when you go back to a world that we've been to before that the expansion symbols from that world are connective or not really? They can just stand on their own. Uh, absolutely, uh, especially with like remastered and uh, you know sets being released on Arena, like um, Kaladesh remastered. I did that symbol. I, I fused the previous Kaladesh expansions. Anytime we go to Innistrad, I'm like, is it supposed to be the Avacyn symbol? Is it supposed to be something different? Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of like history with them, um, especially if it's the first return to set. Um, but not always. Well, for example, let's. I'm just curious because Lost Caverns is coming out. Lost yeah. Caverns was weird in that it was returned that we were going back to a place, but it wasn't, it's what I've been calling a backdrop set, meaning it's, we're using Ixalan as a setting, but really the mechanically the set's not yeah. a return to Ixalan. Did you, like, which way, like, you could have leaned into Ixalan or you could have leaned into Underground. Like, how, <laughs> is it just what's visually the best? Or do you, like, how, how do you, when a set yeah. pushes in a different direction, what wins the day? Yeah, I should preface with uh, Ixalan specifically. Um, I have a partner who works on the Booster Fun frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you love all that creative uh, aesthetics, that's uh, Dalton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of work back and forth with him on set symbols. So he actually did the uh, set symbols for Ixalan. Oh, okay. I just uh, managed those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was leaning more into the world guide. Uh, like here's the visuals of the new Ixalan. Uh, here's what we're seeing a lot of now. So he leaned into that uh, that culture there. But the new symbol. Okay, so what is what is the first set you made a symbol for? Let's just give people the audience. So like, how long have you been making symbols? Um. So previous, the previous designer was James Arnold. Uh, he wrapped up around, I believe, the the previous Innistrads, and then I took over, and I had a lot of weird ones. And then leading forward, I had all of them. It was like Infinity, Kamigawa. And Kaladesh Remaster were my first three kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember what released first. I think Infinity was first of the three. Uh, what was it? Save the three? Infinity? Infinity, Kamigawa, and uh, Kaladesh Remastered on Arena. Well, Infinity was last November, and, and uh, Kamigawa was before that. So I think Kamigawa came out before Infinity did. Yeah, but I think we showed the set symbol for Infinity first. I just oh, remember like seeing it. I'm like, correct. oh, that's my we, first symbol. We showed it first because we did we we previewed it like in November of the previous yeah. year. Um, so, like, for example, Infinity, uh, the expansion. So, the, talk about Infinity. They had a fun expansion symbol. How did you come up with yeah. Infinity? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it it was fun. The, the uh, orbiting planets. It was set in space. <laughs> uh, it, I just wanted wanted something very whimsical and have motion to it because it's it's a theme park. Like it's yeah. supposed to be fun and inviting. So yeah. I. 
I kind of played with like Saturn's rings type thing. And I, I don't know, it was kind of, it was a fun movement to it. Yeah, you brought an interesting point that I don't think people can think about is there's a tone and a mood to the set. Like, sets mm-hmm. are not the same. And so not only is the expansion symbol trying to capture the essence of what the set is, but you're trying to capture the tone of what the set is. I don't know if people even think about that. Yeah, um, I think James Arnold, like, for uh, Crimson Vow, I think did a good job of it's it's a bat, but if you flip it upside down, it's also a skull. Mm-hmm. So it kind of uh, it kind of captured that moment of like this is a dangerous set. Olivia Voldarian is yes, she's having a wedding, but no one wants to be at that wedding. <laughs> so <laughs> at least mortals don't. Uh, so yeah, capturing the the mood of the set is is pretty important sometimes too. Yeah, the other thing to go back in history. So one of my favorite stories is uh, so Homelands has an expansion symbol that the audience ne- like. It, they joke it's the cookie. No, no one knows what the homeland. I, I think it's the the world. Like it's, I think it's a a globe. Yeah. I think, um, but that's a good. The homeland is a really good example of how you can kind of go awry with an expansion symbol, where instead of evoking something, you just kind of confuse people. Um, and and that's yeah. the thing that to me is really interesting about looking at expansion symbols is. When you do it well, it seems so obvious and so perfect, but how hard it is, like, th- there's a thing in um, design called the paperclip effect, where mm. um, if you make something so exact, um, like a paperclip, that it seems so obvious that the audience is like, well, what else What else could it be? How else could you put papers together? And I, I think a lot of graphic design is a lot like that, that when you do your mm-hmm. job correct... It seems like, well, what else could the expansion possibly have been when the answer is, well, there are a lot of things it could have been. Uh, yeah. There, there are some pitfalls, too, um, I, I admit. So I'm, like, talking about Kamigawa. Very happy with our main set symbol hit that really captured the feel of the world. You know, here's the traditional and the digital with the pixelization. I think I went on the commander set symbol for that one. Um, I really I leaned into the origami uh, style of the the moon folk and uh, their mechs, uh, they're creating robots, and I, I think that was a little missed. Like it, it doesn't really capture that unless you know it's supposed to be origami. But once you know that, you're like, oh, it is a shield made out of paper. Like I get it, but I probably went a little too deep in the rabbit hole on that one. So what? Okay, so let's, as someone who does this, you know, this is what you do. Uh, if you look back at classic magic, so I'm not the ones you've yep. made, but prior to your exi- what do you think are the most iconic expansion symbols? Like, what are the ones that you're like, wow, that oh. was that was amazing, that was great. Iconic or favorite? Because I think I have different answers. Okay, okay. What is the most iconic? What is your favorite? <laughs> First, iconic. What do you yeah. think are the most iconic expansion symbols of, of magic's history? Iconic, I think. I think it's back, maybe it's just biased from when I started playing, because I do think, like, original Champions, the Kamigawa logo, the original Ravnica, um, Remind people Dark what they Steel. were, the average person might not know oh, what they are. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not everyone's been playing for 20-plus years. Uh, sorry. Uh, so Kamigawa is a little uh, gateway, Tori Gate arch. Uh, very, like we were talking about earlier, very simple shapes. Um, Ravnica is the city of guilds, so it's literally a building. Uh <laughs> We talked about the scimitar. I, I still like. I just can picture that in my head immediately, and I definitely didn't play back then. Um, Arabian Nights. Uh, I my favorite and my iconic, the most iconic symbols I think are those very simple objects that you know exactly what it is as soon as you see it. Mm-hmm. So while I said my answers are different, I think my favorite 
is like the Amenkhet pyramid. Like it's it's mm-hmm. such a simple shape. It's so far into magic. Like what what was that? Twenty years in, yeah, yeah, into magic, and yeah. we still have a simple shape to do. And you know, it's immediately Amenkhet. So I just think that was really cool that we still have some of those shapes. Like you know, Phyrexia all will be one. I think is going to go down as one of those two words. It's the Phyrexian symbol. What else could it have been? But you know what it is, and it's fairly simple shape. Yeah, one of the interesting things when we do world building is some worlds come with more iconography than others. Like, yeah. one of the interesting things for Amenkhet's a great example. Um, we had a lot of problem on the design side because, like, Egyptian mythology just isn't as well known as some other mythologies. And so mm-hmm. a lot of what we're trying to do on design is, like, make cards that riff on things people know. Um, but the strength, I think, of Amenkhet is... Egyptians had like really strong <laughs> iconography, you know. Yeah. Uh, you see something right away and you get Egyptian just because it's, uh, it just, there's a lot of very distinctive look and feels that has to do with a lot of the Egyptian stuff. And so um, that's why I think it, it leaned toward having a nice clean expansion symbol and that there's so many, the, the visual language of the world is very clean. Um, so yeah. what is, what do you think is the, what world have we done do you think that was the most problematic because it wasn't clean, it wasn't easy? Like, what what did you struggle most with? Oh, from my own symbols or just history? Well, we, both, we can do both. Yeah. What, what do yeah, you think? What first came, yeah. So, what it, first came yeah. to mind was Kaladesh, where, like, you know it's Kaladesh if you know Kaladesh. But if you've never seen Kaladesh before, these are two very, like, filigree symbols. They kind of look like each other. Like, I I always kind of mix up Aether Revolt and Kaladesh a little if I see them from a distance. Um, But it's pulling straight from the world. Like, once you know Kaladesh, those little twirls and filigrees are definitely Kaladesh. But otherwise, you're like, I don't don't know what this is. It doesn't have the Egyptian feel of, like, oh, I know what a pyramid is. Um, What are some of my struggles for my own symbols? Uh, Hmm. Can't talk about future sets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the one I'm currently on, I think, is giving me a little pause. Uh, I don't. I don't think I have a. How about have one the, that was just the code name? What's the code name you're working on today? Just the code name. Uh, code name is tennis. Oh, you work on tennis. Okay. Um, yeah, it's got some real world applications. Yeah, uh, we, we've announced the the death yeah. race. We've announced that, so that the, yeah. they know. So. Um, so this is, I mean, the interesting thing is there's some real world things that exist. And so, yeah. you know, but, uh, but also the other thing that's really challenging is you have, the space is so small. Like what is the actual, do you know, the actual dimensions of an expansion symbol? I actually don't. I don't know the actual size of an expansion symbol because it does vary depending on uh, the width and height. So like Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was a very wide symbol, so that meant we got to go a little bit bigger. It, it actually occupies more space because you can it's not as tall. But then like the very vertical symbols can only go as big as the type bar is. So they end up being a little smaller. So as your point that I, I didn't know this. So the expansion symbol can go wider or taller. I mean, it can't go taller than the bar, but... It cannot go taller, yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is that they're not always the same height and width. Right. Well, they're always about the same height. Like okay. we always try to max the size of the the vertical space of the type bar, uh-huh. but the width is really determined by how wide, wide the actual symbol is. And how, um, how wide can, I don't know, you don't know the dimensions. I'm sure how wide you can go. Like the f- funny thing is at some point, what I just a little behind the scenes stuff for everybody. Um, yeah. there's a bit, there's a big question in R and D of, did we put the expansion symbol in the right place? Um, mm-hmm. and one of the challenges is, Hey, that's the card type line. 
Like, there's things that have to go there, and if you can't fit, you're like, oh, this expansion's a why. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, dude. Yeah. No, so yeah. I can go as wide as I want. Yeah, um, but where, editors may yell at me. <laughs> where do you think should the expansion symbol go where it goes, or do you think it's supposed to, it should be somewhere else on the card? Like, as a graphic designer, what, what do you think? Is it in the right place? Uh, I think it. I think it conflicts with the type bar a little too much. I'd love to not have these arguments with editing all the time, and like I have to worry about that with mechanical frames too. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's been where it is forever, uh, so any kind of change is questionable. But I do. I do think maybe down like it should be down by the set code, maybe where at the bottom because there's a set code at the bottom left yeah. that tells you where what set it is, uh, and the rarity's right there. So why, <laughs> why is the symbol not next to that information? Yeah, so you the, need a set symbol. That's the right. That information question, right? Uh, for just a little history for Magic, everybody. Uh, for a good chunk of Magic, uh, that those that came with was that the eighth? No, no, it was after the eighth edition frame. Uh, the the bar at the bottom that has information on it is maybe yeah. 10, 15 years old at most. M fifteen is that? Yeah, maybe M fifteen sounds right. M fifteen sounds right. Um, mm-hmm. And so before that, I mean. One of the general problems of magic is inertia is a huge thing. Hey, this is how we've always done something. We've done it for 30 years. Uh, but when you first started magic, th- that bar at the bottom didn't exist. So no one could think to put it there. That None of that information was yeah. there. And so um, th- there, that's a constant tension between what's the right thing to do versus what's the history. And, you know, so I don't the, I find that the where to put the, the, the expansion symbol, interesting discussion. But I, I don't think it's moving anytime yeah. soon. So. I think it's a good discussion, too. Okay, so let, let, we have a few minutes left. So philosophically, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, um, what three traits, if you had to pick three traits that make for the best expansion symbol, what three traits would you pick? Uh, simplicity. We, we've we covered that a bit. I just think it needs to, like, just it needs to read well on the type line. Um, I think some of our symbols lately have gotten a little complex. I know... Uh, LCI has a few issues with readability because uh, it's just a very complicated symbol, so it's hard to tell the... It doesn't have enough color area for the rarity. Mm-hmm. So, it needs to be simple. Uh, it needs to be easily identifiable, preferably with out knowing the plane. So, I mentioned the, the Midnight Hunt had a Howling Werewolf. Okay, that's clearly a, a werewolf-type set. You don't, Maybe you don't know what Innistrad is, but you know probably what you're getting into if you buy that set. Uh, and then third is it just has to function and, and be different from other uh, symbols. We couldn't do four werewolf symbols because we don't know which Innistrad that is. Uh, they start getting uh, mixed up. But yeah, so simplicity, invoke the set, and different from each other symbol. Okay, now put those in order from easiest to do to hardest to do. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, simplicity keeps moving down on the hard list because, uh, we just can't keep doing like the same, we can't do triangles and circles and squares and stars. <laughs> uh, and so that's moving down. I think the hardest thing to do though is probably invoke the theme of the set well enough because we typically, sometimes it's obvious we keep saying the Phyrexia all be one. Yes, it's a Phyrexian symbol. March of the Machines was on 15 planes and yeah. 15 different stories happening. Like, how do you capture that? I chose to choose the Elspeth moment, but I could have captured any other moment. Uh, I could have more generally captured maybe this is a 
a sphere being invaded. I considered like that for the symbol, et cetera. So like picking the right moment and thing to focus on is probably the hardest thing with how deep our world building goes nowadays. And the other problem we run into is we we repeat themes. Like the first yeah. time we do a theme, well, maybe there's an obvious thing, but the second time we do the theme, we're like, well, we already do that. We did that at once, you know, um, the, what I yeah. call the book. There's, the, go ahead. Sorry, there's also like, you have to consider surrounding set symbols. So part of that, it needs to look different from each other, especially in like standard and close release uh, cadence. So sometimes we'll do one set, um, like I'll go ahead and say Bloomboro. Mm -hmm. uh, the symbol for that, one of the things I was considering looks a lot like what we could do for a future set. <laughs> and so we decided not to go that route because uh, we're using that symbol for a future set. We wanted to save it for that. So we, we don't want our symbols to overlap in that way either. Yeah, and there's a lot, like you said, the the thing that the, the public experiences magic like one at a time because that's the, how we release mm -hmm. it. Um, but behind the scenes, we're working on, you know, many, many sets at once. And so you there's a lot of interconnection between them and looking at things and... I'm sure sometimes you right you made a symbol for one set, but it you say oh wait, wait there's something else coming that we we probably that needs to be there and that, so we, we have to think about all the interconnection of everything. Yeah. Anyway, well, I can see my desk here, so we are almost out of time. So, Daniel, my fi any final thoughts on expansion symbols? Yeah, they're they're really fun to do. Making iconography is one of my favorite things to do as a as a designer as a mechanical designer. Um, UX, UI, it, it just kind of pulls it all in because it needs to be both aesthetic and functional. And that, that kind of middle, middle ground is why I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Daniel. And thank um, you. And to everybody else, I'm at my desk. So we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Hope you guys enjoyed today and I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.